0: Thanks for listening to the Vines podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with a simple goal of following Jesus together. and we hope this message helps you in doing just that.
1: that. happened He withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they they can go to villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the word of the Lord. You guys are in for a treat uh, in the fact that I'm not preaching. We have someone so much more gifted to preach this evening. His name is Alex Rayhill, If you guys don't know... Um, We're part of a denomination or a family called the Evangelical Covenant Church. And and Alex, uh, he's been a church planner, so he's done what we are doing right now uh, many years ago. But now he's in charge of church planning for the whole family, for this whole network of churches. And and we're part of an awesome movement in America as well as in other countries. There are church plants that are happening all throughout our country of different languages, different type of groups of people who are, meeting tonight. And uh, so our story is not like uh, many of other, these other stories about family that's come behind us and cheered us on and, and helped support us. And so Alex is, is going to is preaching. The cool thing about it is if you were here last week, we talked about mustard seeds and the parable of the mustard seeds, how God has given each of us seeds. And without knowing it, Alex, I think, has prepared a perfect message to support what we've been thinking about and talking over. So would you join me in welcoming Alex?
0: Thanks, Mark. Great to, great to be here with you. You guys have great pastors, you know that? Yeah, you do. And uh, it's been a treat for, um, for me and my wife Marcy to spend time with uh, Mark and Jen and uh, Ted and Tara and some others here. We, I saw some people from our, uh, we had a, a abide Day retreat yesterday and, and that was powerful and it was great to meet some of you and to see what God's doing. You know, God is up to something. God wants to do something great. And he's always looking for people who are willing to step out in faith and go with him. And when you think about this passage, and we're going to look at this. How many of you have heard this passage at some time in your life? Raise your hand. It doesn't matter if you're following Jesus or not. I mean, a lot of people have heard about this miracle. You, You might not know this, but this is the only miracle That's in all four Gospels. And it's because Jesus is so committed to making a single point for his followers. And uh, my hope is no matter how familiar you might be with this story, you're going to see something new. God's got something for you today. We are not gathered here by accident. God has something for us. And so I want to just start with a question. and, And that question is this. As you envision the next year of your life. At this time next year, if you're to put a stake in the ground, and for many people, you know, when, it, when we think of church, we think of ministry, New Year's isn't January 1st, it's September. It's when school starts up again. So mid August, September. And, and, you know, and, and when you think about this next year, what's something great God wants to do through your life? And it may be great because He wants to accomplish something that will get where He'll get all the glory, it'll be amazing. Or it may be that you're facing an impossible problem. Because that's also present in this story. They're facing an impossible problem. And yet Jesus is going to do something incredible that allows them to overcome the impossible. Maybe you're facing a problem today. Maybe God's calling you to something great. What is God calling the vine to in this next year? As you join uh, this movement. What is God calling you to be as a church in Austin? What does he want to accomplish? And I, I just want you to think about that because I really believe God has something for each of us here today. And I'm going to just pray, and then i want to dive into this the Word of God. Lord, I just thank you for each person here. Lord, none of us are here by accident. All of us are coming in, Lord, with different struggles and burdens, maybe regrets, maybe hopes, Lord, and that you would use us in some significant way, but we... It's the moment we think about those things, Lord, we, we often pause and think of all the reasons why that couldn't ever be. And I just pray, Lord, you would meet us here today, that you would let us know that you have called us together to follow you. And you want to do something great in and through our lives this year. And I pray that we would be willing to step out in faith with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I have the gift of levity, not the gift of brevity. So I always have a timer here, and I'm on on the clock. So as you think about the next year, I ask you, what's something great God wants to do? And and as soon as you think about that, like I want you just to think, maybe you haven't even said it to anybody yet, but you're like, you know, if God could use me for something, I would do this. And it's in your heart, but it hasn't come out of your mouth yet. And the reason it hasn't come out of your mouth yet is you say, but. But, right? We all have a big but. I don't mean that anatomically. Don't you know? Don't, I don't want to get notes. Send them to Mark. But we got to get our big butt out of the way. We say God could use me to do something great, but and then there's a fill in the blank, and the fill in the blank is different for everybody, and yet it's the exact same two words, and those two words are not enough. I would do something great for God, but I don't have enough. Not enough. I don't have enough smarts. I don't have enough looks. I don't have enough talent, I don't have enough friends, I don't have enough money, whatever that is, right? And then we kind of set it on the shelf. Do you ever feel like the theme of your life is not enough? So when I was in middle school, how many, uh, do we have anybody in middle school or high school here? Just raise your hand. I, uh, you're going to feel great. Just raise your hand if you're in middle school or high school. I just want to see if you're here. I see you over there, right here? All right. Thank you. So. Um, you're going to walk away go, I don't know what the rest of the sermon was about, but that guy was a dork, and I feel way better about myself and all my failures. So it's ninth grade. I'm going to go to the dance with this girl, Mary Beth. I, I kind of had a crush on her all year. This is my first time I ever went to a dance. We're going to homecoming, right? And, um, and so we buy tickets, and I get the suit, you know, and, and I got to get my dance moves on, right? So I'm like, you know, Whoo! and then I'm like, you know, doing. I'm working on it because my friend said you got to dance, and you're gonna have to dance there. I'm like, okay. And uh, and in the week of, he said, "Hey, where are you gonna take her out to eat?" And I said, "What are you talking about? Take her out to eat?" He said, "No, you got to go out to eat before the dance. You got to take her somewhere nice." I said, "Where? Where should I go?" He goes, "Fonte d'amore, the Fountain of Love." So I said, "Okay, you know," and and. Again, I'm a ninth grader, so I'm not thinking about, I'm not thinking about a lot of things. So I go to Fonte de Amore, I get dropped off uh, there because I don't have my license yet. And as soon as I open up the menu, I realize I have a problem. There's numbers after every one of the things we're going to eat, and they're way bigger. It's the 12,000 instead of the twelve hundred, right? I'm like, (laughs) so I'm I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And so I'm talking to Mary Beth, but, you know, inside I have all these butterflies and feeling sick to my stomach. And the bill comes, and would you just say this out loud with me? How much did I have? And the two words are, not enough. Now, I know you want to figure out how I saw, how I got out of that, and I would love to tell you, but we can't take any more time on that right now. But every one of us has those kind of formative experiences, don't don't we? And so, what we do say after one of those things happens is, we go, "I'm not putting myself out there again like that. That was too risky." Where in your life right now with God are you saying not enough? Where right now are you, you filling in the blank with not enough? Where are you saying, I, "I would get," you know, "I want this, this job, but I don't have a, not enough education. I I um, I want to um I, I want, I want I want to pay my bills, but I don't have enough money." I want to find love, but I, I'm not pretty enough, I, I, or I, I, I want to fit in. I'm not good enough. Where do you feel like your gifts or your skills, you're just not good enough to be who you want to be, who, to do what you want to do? Maybe you feel like you don't have enough love to make your relationships work. Not enough faith to reach this community. Not enough spiritual maturity to, to help someone grow in their faith. On and on it goes. And we actually accept this excuse for our lives. And today we're going to be looking at one single idea. But we really have to address this not enough thing. And the truth of the matter is, you and I don't have enough. That's the truth. The good news is, Jesus does. And your name is the vine. And one of my favorite um, passages of Scripture is in John 15, 5. And Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear, anybody know those next two words? Much fruit, but apart from me, not enough. So Jesus says, yeah, on your own, you're never going to be enough. But I'm going to call you into a relationship, and you and I is more than enough. You and I equal more than enough. And when I call you into something, I'm doing that to have you step out in faith so that I can do something great in and through your life. Then build your faith and impact this world. And so we have a one, one, word, one um, big idea that we're going to be looking at this afternoon. And uh, um, and it's pretty easy to say. So it's God can do a little. So here's the thing. Would you just raise your hand right now like this? Just do this, okay? Just for a second toward me and just say, we forgive you. Okay, thank you so much. Because I'm going to do stuff here and, and you're going to go, don't doesn't he know how we operate here? Every church has its own little culture, right? And then you break all the rules. They're like, we don't do that. We don't keep making it. So thank you for your forgiveness. I'm going to ask you to do some things. Just t- tell the person next to you, just go with it. Would you tell them to say, just go with it? All right? So listen, it's a free pass. Just go with it. So I'm going to ask you to. So here's our here's our big idea. God can do a lot. Can you say that with me? God can do a lot. And that's easy to say, isn't it? That's easy to believe, isn't it? The second part is the hard part. With my little. That's our big idea. This is what Jesus is trying to teach his disciples and and he, and he drills it down in all four Gospels. God can do a lot with my little. They only have a little bit. They don't have enough. But in the hands of Jesus, little becomes much. And so I know you're not ready to buy into it, maybe 100% for yourself, but you can tell the person next to you, you just tell them, God can do a lot with your little. Just say that to them. Just to give them, speak some good confidence in her. just behind you. Go ahead and do it. God can do a lot with your little. Just tell them. They're going to feel good about themselves. So here's the truth. God created us for this relationship with himself, and it's a beautiful adventure he's inviting us to. And we get nervous about the adventure because we don't want to step out and find out we don't have enough. But with Christ, he wants to produce much fruit. And so here's the question we want to answer with our remaining time this evening. And it's a question we don't often ask, but... When you think about this passage, the question we want to ask is this. How do we put ourselves in the place where God can do a lot with our little? See, Jesus does something awesome here. But what we don't often pay attention to is he is is asking the disciples to make key decisions along the way that put them in the place where they get to be a part of this. Because Jesus wants you and I to be a part of what he's doing, not just to watch. What he's doing. So how do we put ourselves in a place where God can do a lot with our little? Because it doesn't happen by accident. And there's four key words we're going to look at. And the first word is proximity. Proximity. And proximity is all about getting close to Jesus. So we just read from the passage. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. What just happened? His cousin, John the Baptist, was murdered. Now... Think about that. Think about someone close to you and that kind of traumatic incident in your life. He's doing what we would all do. He's going to grieve. He's going to, to uh, express sorrow. And, and, and he's, he's, he wants to be alone. And we get that, right? But what happens is that the crowds follow him. hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from town, from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he was so frustrated with them and he kicked them all out. Oh no, that's not what it says. That's what I would have done, right? This is where I, I, Jesus blows my mind sometimes because I think about, this is, why you're, uh, this is what I need to learn from you, Lord. He had compassion on them. He expressed his love for their needs because they were coming to him in need. And he healed them. He unleashed Power in their lives that was transformative. And you say, how did that happen? Every good thing that's about to happen happens because the disciples do one thing. They follow Jesus closely. Had they chosen to not follow him at this point, they would have missed out on every good thing that's about to be unleashed. They would have missed out on Jesus' power and his compassion. And just think about that for a minute. What if you had confidence today, absolute confidence that God cared about you, that the Lord spoke into your heart right now, I see you and I love you, I know what you're going through. And that God had power to meet your needs as he was aware of those needs. Wouldn't that be enough? The love of God and the power of God? Wouldn't that be enough? It would be. And the way that we put ourselves in a place where those things can be active is we follow Jesus just like the disciples did. So how do you and I get close to God? I think it starts with a simple prayer every day. I pray a very simple prayer. I say, Jesus, I want to be close to you and I want to follow you today. Lord, I know you're working all around me. And if I'm not with you and paying attention to you, I could miss it. So please help me be mindful of how you're working around me and allow me to join you in that work you want to do. Because that's what God wants to do with your life. You're not in your workplace by accident. You're not in your family or your neighborhood. God is working all around you, and he wants to work with you, in you, and through you. And as you and I are mindful of that, we get to join God in that work. I have a friend who's really good at this. His name is Matt, and he's at a church in Louisville, a church plant in Louisville, and he prays like this, and he is one of the most present people I know. You know those people when you're like, you're with them, you're like, oh my, god, this person makes me feel so good. And you realize it's because they're totally focused on me. Like they're not checking their phone. They're, not, they're like actually interested in what's going on in my life. Matt's one of those people. He prays like, and he prays like this all the time. So Matt went to a coffee shop before church, kind of like I did. And um, <coughs> he notices this guy is clearly agitated and upset. And he said, hey, uh, are you okay? The guy just starts unloading all these things that are going on. And Matt just listens. And he said, um, hey, no pressure. This, after about 25 minutes, he goes, I'm going to church, and I, I need to be there. I would love if you came with me. Would you like to go to church with me? The guy said, yeah. Just like this. And I'm in that, I, I happened to be in that service in Louisville. And so I'm sitting back there, and I see this guy over here. And this guy, as, as, as the word is going forward and people are, and, and, and there's prayers, he's just kind of weeping. And he said to Matt, he said, You have no idea. God, God sent you to me. I, and I won't go into the details of the story, but he said, I needed this so badly today. And God did something powerful in that guy's life. Why? Because one simple Jesus follower, was close enough to Jesus and paying attention enough to be used by him. And he got to be a part of something God did in a man's life who was struggling heavy. If you and I want God to do a lot with our little, we have to figure out how are we going to draw close to Jesus. The second word is presentation. And presentation is about us giving all to Jesus. Let's keep reading here. It says, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late, Jesus. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Now, this is actually pretty good here. The disciples are modeling Jesus' care. They're like, hey, Jesus, like um, barbecue opens up in like a couple hours here and we got to end the service we got to land the plane you know you can't keep preaching you know i see the healing line is going long and, and we got to call time out we got to send them to get some food and they are actually thinking of the people and they want to get the you know the service over right you guys have probably never felt like that right they're like hey when are we going to finish this thing you're like dude i'm feeling it right now <laughs> but they they're actually modeling some of jesus care and um, and uh, and so, but Jesus, we often get so used to the stories, we we miss the shock factor. Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, surprises them. Like you go, that makes total sense. We, if you heard, if you read, like, oh, and Jesus dismissed the service and sent them all to go to get barbecue in the local villages, right? You go, yeah, that sounds right. Jesus said, but think about how striking this is. Jesus says this. He goes, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And actually that you give them is a command. Jesus commands them. He's inviting them to join him in the work here. He says, you feed them. You serve them. You reach them. And the disciples do what we often do. And they say, Jesus, wait a minute. Andy, come here. They rip his backpack off, you know. Okay, Mentos, no. Okay. Oh, we, you know, they're sort. Jesus, we got five little, little. And when they say five loaves, you all know that means it's not like a loaf of bread for like our kinds of loaves of bread. They're like little biscuits. Okay. We got five loaves and two fish. We only have. We only have. We only have. And rest of the story, not enough, Jesus. Jesus, we just did the math. And guess how much we have? It's called not enough. Right? This is how we're like the disciples. And whatever is going on in your life right now, where are you feeling like I'm up against the wall, I have this problem, it seems impossible, and I'm going, not enough, God, not enough. Or you sense God calling you, and you're like, not enough, God, not enough. And this is really important. This is one of the things that I've written down for me. The disciples did the math perfectly, but they left Jesus out of the equation. And how often do we plan our lives and solve our problems and we leave Jesus out of the equation and we wonder why it doesn't work out. Now, this is the cool thing because Jesus says, bring them here to me. Jesus doesn't even get mad. He says, okay, I get it guys. You're fine. Bring the little you have, the only that you have and bring it here to me. Jesus says, "I know you don't have much. I don't want much, but I want it all." And that's where the conviction happens, right? Because don't we often use "not enough" as a reason to hoard our stuff, our little bit, right? We're like, "Oh yeah, I give, I give to God, but man, not hardly have anything." You know, what's, what's, what's two dollars gonna do for Jesus? Uh, you know, I'm not that gifted. Where where are you finding yourself being tempted? To write off your offering, what God is calling you to give, to do, to be a part of, because you don't have enough. And Jesus is saying, bring it all here to me. I want to do something good and something beautiful with your offering. And I want you to experience what I'm about to do. Where are you focused on your not enough today? Where are you saying, oh, I only have a little? What is Jesus asking you to put in his hands tonight? Bring it here your to me. And maybe it's your marriage. And you're saying, yeah, we look okay, but we're this isn't working. And I only have a little love. I just had someone tell me that. I I, I want my marriage to work, but I just have, I don't have much left in I only have a little love. And Jesus is saying, bring it here to me. Or your gifts and talents, and you're just saying, I would serve God. I would, I would lead a small group. I would be a part, but I only, I only have a little talent. I don't have much to offer. We're in your resources yet. I only have a little money. Or with your kids. I just had a, a parent tell me, I have a little patience. I don't know how I can parent these kids and have them live till 16. They're all under eight right now. And I, I only have a little patience. And Jesus is saying, bring it here to me. You and I are not alone. The disciples did the same thing. And Jesus is saying, bring your little here to me. Now, let me ask another important question, because this is one of the things that happens here. This is offering is an act of worship to God and an act of faith. And faith is believing Jesus enough to do what he tells us to do. It's believing that he is who he said he is, and that he'll do what he promised to do. Do you know Jesus made promises that he would never leave you or forsake you? Do you believe that today? Do you know Jesus made promises? I shared one of them in John 15, 5, that if you remain in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Your life will be productive and significant if you give it to me. These are promises from our Lord. And here's the question we often don't ask her, that I've asked myself What if the disciples would have hoarded their little? What if they would have hid the backpack and just said, no, Jesus, we got nothing, right? What would have happened for them? They would have missed out on one of the greatest miracles of their life because they held back. And I wonder how many God moments I've missed out on because Jesus said, give me that little, and I held it back. Jesus wants to do something great for us and in us and for our faith. Where is he asking you for that offering today? Give that to me. The third word is purpose. And this is easy to miss, but I want us to see how Jesus is moving the disciples along here. And Jesus has a purpose for the disciples. And we, God can do a lot with our little when we embrace the purpose he has for us. We get close to him. We give him the little we have. And then he hands us back Look at what it says. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the people. Oh, no, that's not what it says. It says, then he gave them to, what's that? Can anybody, can you say that with me? Then he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. This is a really important principle. And if you are someone who writes in your Bible, I would write this down because we see it over and over again in Scripture. Jesus worked through the hands of his disciples then, and he still does it the same way today. Jesus isn't going to just pass it out and bypass his disciples. Jesus gives his disciples bread and says, now you go feed the masses. I turned your little into much, and now I'm giving it back to you, and I want you to take bread to the people. I want you to take bread. I want you to take life-giving words and life-giving love and life-giving compassion from me to the world, to the person you work with, that person who irritates you in, in, in the desk next to you. To, I want you to take it to that neighbor who's cantankerous, and you're just like, you just drive into your garage and you go, I don't want to even have anything to do with that person, right? I have life-giving bread I want you to take to the church and, and and to serve this community, to serve the larger community of Austin. Their job is to give out the food Jesus gave them because Jesus didn't want them just to see a miracle. He didn't want them just to see the work of God. He wanted to let them be a part of the work. He's calling them co laborers co-workers. They're actually participating in this miracle now. And that's what he wants us to do. He invites us into that. And when you and I step out in faith in these ways, we see God show up and he does great things like that. I saw this personally. I want you to imagine God taking your little and doing something great with it. I have a very close friend who's very humble. She's really close with my wife. Her name's Tracy. And I watched Jesus transform a whole family because one humble woman gave her gift to Jesus. You say, how did that happen? Marcy and I, we were leaving our um, church where we had um, been serving for 15 years, 15 plus years to take this role. And a lady came up to me in tears. She'd been coming to our church for about, 18 months, and she said, I just want to tell you. I, I feel like I, God really wants me to tell you before you leave about how God changed my husband's heart and changed our family. And I said, I love you. I said, How'd that happen? Tell me, how, please tell me how that happened. She said, It was about a lady in Life Kids, which was our kids' ministry. I said, Now I'm intrigued. Now I'm like, Okay, yeah, tell me. She said, This lady Tracy heard about our situation. You see, my son Jared has multiple disabilities, and severe autism, and is nonverbal, and can get violent. And and he's very difficult for people to handle, so most people don't want him around. Tracy volunteered to care for Jared, because what would happen is I would go to church, because my husband didn't want to go to church, and he was fine with that, and he would keep Jared at home. Tracy said she would love to care for Jared, and she would love to serve Jared. And Jared has become so soft and beautiful. And Tracy reads him these scriptures and sings these songs, and he smiles, and he's so responsive. My husband, she said, who's a pilot, said, what kind of people would take care of Jared for no money? And she said, honey, I told you, this church is different. And so he ended up coming to church. And week after week, month after month, he heard the gospel and he gave his life to Jesus. And she said, "It's like we are, it's like we're newlyweds again." And she said, "Our problems aren't all God, but I'm just telling you, God has changed my husband, and He's been healing our marriage. And it happened because someone in life, kids, said yes to Jesus and taking care of my son. Isn't that awesome? True story. One lady gives God her little." And a whole family gets transformed. That's the kind of thing God loves to do over and over and over again. And Satan wants you to believe you don't have what it takes. You don't have enough. And God's just saying, give it to me. So let me ask you this question. What's the life-giving purpose Jesus is wanting to put into your hands today? You've, You've given him your offering and now he's saying, here, I've got something I want you to do. I've got bread I want you to hand out. I've got a mission I want you to go on. What is that thing? What is that thing? And the last word is this. The last word's provision. And, um, and provision is about receiving more from Jesus. And, and while I say that, the thing I, this isn't about some weird televangelism thing or, or prosperity gospel weirdness. But this is the truth. God won't be in debt to any person. God is never going to say, oh yeah, you're right, I owe you a lot. That's just not going to happen. And so I want you to see what happens here because God blesses us, and not in again, not in some weird way, but he blesses us in order to be a blessing to others. Look at what this how this passage ends. They all ate and were satisfied. When's the last time you said that? That word means content. It means it is well with my soul. See, when we eat bread from heaven, bread that's come through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the ministering hands of the church, through from the Lord, it satisfies our souls. Only God can satisfy the deep hunger of our souls. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up, what's that number? Twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Here's the picture. God wants to bless us. This is in Genesis 12. It's the promise to Abraham, and we're Abraham's offspring. He wants to bless us in order to be a blessing. So what does God do? He takes that, that little that they offer him, and, and Jesus blesses that, and he multiplies that, and he hands it back to them so that they have more bread than they know what to do with. Not to hoard, not to keep for themselves, but to pass out and bless the community, to bless their family, to impact those around them in their workplace and in their schools. And when all said and done, they had 12 basketfuls left over. They end with way more than they started with because of God's goodness. He provides for them in ways that are over the top. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. When he uses that word full, it means overflowing. It means more than enough. It's like picture a glass and you're pouring water into it and it's overflowing. It's not just enough. It's abundant. It's abundant. That's where you get that word abundant life. That's where it is in Scripture. And here's the principle God's leftovers are better than humanity's best banquet. When the people of God get together in simple ways and and follow Jesus like this, God shows up and does amazing things, and people get provided for in in ways you couldn't imagine. 5,000 people, plus women and children, get fed. When they give God their little, every person in eyeshot gets blessed by God. When you give God your little, you not only see the miracles of God, you get to be a part of experiencing them. And God provides for you and I in beautiful and in unexpected ways. We don't have a video, right? Okay. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Okay, so hey, listen, this would be pretty cool, Um, and if we do, uh, this is, we're going to try this, but this is a story of a retired couple in their 70s who said, we're going to give God our little, and God has used to do some amazing things in Florida. So if we get to see the video, we will, and if not, we'll close a different way. Isn't that awesome? Yeah we give God a hand with that? (laughs) One retired couple said yes to Jesus. It started as a small group Bible study. They saw people hungry for Jesus. Today, there's a church there. And I want you to pay attention to how God was caring for people before those first winds of hurricane even blew. God was preparing this church to catch all these people who would be refugees and homeless. And I can't even tell you the stories of displaced people finding care and food and love and community because God knew them, He cared about them, and He was preparing, through His power, a place to catch them. It's awesome. And people today are finding purpose. And we have a 73-year-old pastor now who we're actually trying to find another young pastor to help prepare to take over but God wasn't done with him yet and God's not done with you and here's one other awesome part of that story how awesome would you feel if you were part of that story would you be willing to give a little to be part of that story I can tell you dozens and dozens now at this point over 100 people have come to Jesus Christ at that church you are a part of that story see this is part of the cool thing of the covenant Every time you give, part of your offering and all of our church plant offerings go toward the next church plant. And so you've actually invested in that church. You've actually given your little. So I want to say thank you to you for being a part of that. But there's so much more work to be done. Would you all stand with me? I want to close in prayer here. And I want to give you an opportunity and each of us an opportunity to... Offer God what he's asking us for. And I want you just to imagine for a moment what your life would look like if you were to give God your little. Think about those disciples' lives and how it supercharged their faith. You would have more life. You would have more purpose. You would have more faith. You would have more adventure. What could God do with you and in you and through you this year if you gave God your little? And so I'm just going to ask you for a moment just to bow your heads. And again, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to God. And this is just between you and God. And this is me just, uh, just giving, just go with it. And if you came in here with a problem, you felt like, I don't even know how to begin to solve this problem. And I need to give God this problem. I need to, ex- I need to ask him to show up in this thing that I've been trying to solve it. I've been trying to solve it. And I'm asking God, I'm asking you to solve it. And just with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just raise your hand if you have a problem? I want to pray for you, and I want to give you an opportunity to seek God. on it. raise it good night. I see you. Yep. Thank you. I'm, I want to pray for you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having the courage to do that. That's a sign of offering it to God. And there's others of you in here, and you know God's calling you to step out and do something more for him, and you're afraid. You're afraid to give me your little. And again, I just want this as an offering between you and God. Would you raise your hand if you know God's calling you to something more? To, to do something more, to be a part of something more. To keep it good and high, I see you. Thank you. Yes, I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. And here's the last question. Some of you, you know, you've been far from God. And now is the time. You sense God calling you. Jesus is saying, come follow me. You want to be a part of what I'm doing? All the life change you want to see happen starts with you giving me your life. And if you're here today and you know today is the day, you're, it's time to recommit your life to Jesus or commit your life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand for me? Yes. Put your hand up there. Thank you. Put that hand up. You're committing, you're recommitting your life to Jesus today. Yes, I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Lord Jesus, we just want to surrender ourselves to you now. We're coming to you in faith. You are the ever-living God, and we're giving you our little. And some of us are here with problems, Lord, that feel so overwhelming. And I just, we're offering those to you now, and we're asking you, Lord, to show up in those situations. It's time for us to stop trying to solve all our problems on our own, and we're putting it in your hands. And we're saying, God, what could you do if we gave you this? And we're asking you, Lord, to move in those problems that we're facing. Others of us, Lord, are sensing your call to step out and do something new. We know you're calling us to make a difference for you, and we're afraid. And I just pray that you help us to give you our little and step out in faith. And, Lord, there are some of us here today that today, we know today's the day that we're offering you our lives. We've been far from you, and we... We need to surrender our lives to you. And Lord, we're just asking you to forgive us our sins. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your power. Praying that you would cleanse our, our lives and put your Holy Spirit inside us and help us to be people through whom you produce much fruit as you promised. We love you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. And we ask you would do a lot with our little. And we pray that for the Vine Church, that you would do so much through this small, committed community that you would, Lord, produce much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen.